Mark, but first of all, uh, I wanted to tell you about Mark's ministry. Mark um, travel. I don't even know what he likes to call it ministry, and I'm kind of with him on that. But really, um, God has given him um, uh, this anointing of traveling around to speak about the heart. The, um, the amazing thing is uh, when you realize the heart is everything, the heart just is the place where uh, life flows from. And uh, if I read to you um, out of Proverbs 20, uh, 4.23, uh, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you, you do flows from it. That's how important the heart is. And I really appreciate Mark. As he talks about the love of the Father, it's our connection with him uh, that comes from heart to heart. But those places in our heart that uh, get wounded or um, we, you know, we often talk about getting a broken heart, uh, that stops that. But when his love comes, uh, everything uh, that is unlove, as Mark described last night, leaves. And uh, so I really appreciate Mark. I really, um, I first met Mark in um, 2012 in February in North Carolina when Annalise and I were doing ministry training. Since seeing him in, uh, for a month, we were with him in New Zealand. I've seen him in, uh, also in Calgary. I've seen him in Maryland in the United States. And uh, just... Uh, really, really appreciate what he carries. Uh, Mark has uh, a, a group of, uh, of what they call subscribers or followers. I don't know how you describe it, Mark. But there's 70 of them uh, that are all around the world uh, that Mark gets together with. And uh, now one of those is uh, Susanna Rathbun is here as one of the followers. So we have them in Nelson. We have them uh, across the country here, through the United States, Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, through Asia, everywhere around the world, there are followers of, um, of Mark's group. And um, uh, it's been a really, really powerful uh, group that I've had. Uh, and you can uh, find out more about Mark and his teachings by looking at, um, on Facebook, Finding Dash Home with Mark Head. Uh, or uh, you can also um, uh, find him on his website, Finding home, finding-home.net. Correct, Mark? Did I, did I miss out something? Is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. So, hi. Thank you. Thank you. I feel really welcome here. I just have to say the worship was amazing. And uh, is it Danielle? Yeah, there she is. Worship leading mother straight away. Um, it was just so amazing. I don't know if you realize how wonderful the worship here. I go, I go to lots of places and it's never this open and so easily come into it. So, uh, but um, I've, I, you know, I first received the love of the Father in 1994 in Canada. And um, um, I started probably speaking on the Father in 95, but I had 13 years of having been impacted by the love of the Father and no meaningful fellowship with anyone that knew anything about it. And I've seen pe lots of people come into the love of the Father, but they haven't got a community that supports them and can actually say, this is the grid of reference of what's going on in your heart, and this is how to track with that. And we understand and we support you, but we're not going to try and fix you. So um, the Lord started showing me that a few years ago, and a year ago on October the 4th, so it's our birthday. It was my, my dad's birthday and my wife's dad's birthday. We launched this group, online group called The Finding Home Journey. It's a monthly membership. And um, Susanna joined it. Yay, Susanna. And so, she's been, so we have got a whole teaching platform there with teaching specific to understanding our hearts and how to walk with God heart to heart, the challenges that brings. Uh, and then we have live Zoom meetings where uh, I do a bit of teaching, but I'm facilitating that ongoing conversation of growing in the love of the Father. So I'm, I invite, we open the doors and invite people sometimes like twice a year or something, but I'm opening them this month. So 
If you'd like to be at least find out something about that, you can go onto my website, finding-home.net, and, and register for it. I'm going to open it this month while I'm in Canada, um, mostly for Canadians, okay? I like Canadians, but you will understand that why later. Um, so if you do want to hear more about that, you can um, you could probably get the contact details off Bruce because he seems to be the common denominator here. Or you can go onto my website and do that, or you can give me your email and I'll just send you information on that. That's it. That's the end of that part. Good. Thanks for the notice. Yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, Mark is going to be speaking. I uh, just wanted to pray over Mark and uh, the whole congregation. And um, we just thank you, Father, for your love. Uh, I, just, um, I just feel this, this air of expectancy in it with the Spirit. And so we thank you, Father, for your Spirit. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your connection. And uh, uh, we, just, uh, we just pray to have your way with all of us, Lord. And uh, I just hear the Spirit say, may you feel the love I've always had for you. And so we just release the word over this congregation. May I feel the love that I've always had for you. That's what he wants for you today. And I just as I feel that, I feel the spirit rising. And we just, uh, and I just want to, we just say thank you, Lord. We just praise you, Jesus, for the spirit of sonship, our connection with our Father. And Holy Spirit, we just, we just have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, I can hold the microphone close to my mouth. And can I, I make a request that you just go like that to me, to remind me. I used to be in a church where I could hold it down here. I preached there for years and I keep forgetting I'm not there. And I'm used to having a microphone here. So yes, the answer is yes, as long as you remind me. I really love what Bruce, uh, that word Bruce brought May you feel the love I've always had for you, the Father speaking to us. And um, maybe we could pray that as a prayer. May I feel the love you've always had for me. Can we pray that if that's meaningful to you? Father, may I feel the love you've always had for me. And so, uh, Father, open the eyes of my heart. I ask, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart, the ears of my heart, the understanding of my heart that I can feel, see, experience that love you've always had for us, that love you've always had for me in this place. Walking with God's not always easy. Sometimes it's never easy. Sometimes it's actually really hard. And what do we do when it's hard? Sorry, horrid. Um, <laughs> some of you are wanting the interpretation, so there it is. <laughs> what do we do when it's hard? Um, what do we do when it's hard? So um, I became a pastor in 2003. Uh, and I knew that um, I was not leading the church. I was an associate pastor, but I knew that when I was a pastor, when the pressure came on, what was in my heart would come out. And I had had some bad experiences in church life, and uh, that's no surprise to any of you because we've all had bad experiences in church life. That, 
It's because the f- churches are full of human beings. I don't know if you've noticed that. And um, that's a thing that we have to navigate with. And, and guess what? You and I are one of them. Yeah, I have to live with me just like you have to live with you. And so I had some experiences that were not good for me. And I knew unless I dealt with them before God as a pastor, they would come out of me uh, when the pressure came on. So I was very intentional about, um, I first experienced the love of the Father, as I said, in Canada in 1994. I actually came back to the place where I met the Father and I went to a conference called The Father Loves You. And I intentionally did that because I wanted another download of his love as I went into ministry. I thought it was really important that I got more as I um, came into this love. But, you know, this whole receiving love thing, it's not a one and done thing. Uh, You know, when I got saved, Jesus came into my life. Maybe that was one and done, you know, like now everything's different not every moment of every day when i got baptized in water that was one and done i didn't get i've never been baptized again since in water when i got filled with the holy spirit for the first time there was a real manifestation of his spirit that was a one-off one and done thing and the but the love of the father we can think oh, i just need to have an encounter of his love it's one and done and that's it and all my life sorted out and like i wish it was like that don't you Don't you wish we could just have this encounter with God, this one-off encounter that would sort everything out and then we could walk perfectly with him for the rest of our lives? Anyone here feel that way? Who thought that happened once? Or twice? Or several times? Like, I've had this encounter now, now everything's going to be amazing, my life's going to be amazing, I'm going to be amazing, everyone's going to love me, I'm going to love everyone and everything's just going to be glory. And we think we're there sometimes, you know, like, and then we find we're just human again. And then we have to go to church with humans as well. And, yeah. and so I became a pastor and I wanted more of this love. I had just such deep encounters with the Father. So I want you to know that Canada has been formative in me walking in love. It was here I first met love and I got another major download several years later. And so I'm grateful for this nation. My uncle left New Zealand in 1968 and moved to Canada to, because um, life was better here. And he lived here until he died. He moved to Montreal and then he lived in Toronto until he died. <laughs> if you don't like big cities, it's my uncle's fault. He designed a lot of the buildings there. So, so, um, so I became a pastor and... Um, One thing I know about our heart, that's my artwork over there, by the way. We're going to have an auction later. So, um, you know, if you want this, we're going to have an auction later. And we might even throw the whiteboard in with it. So, But I knew, the reason I referenced that is this heart. I drew this last night. You're probably really sorry you weren't here. But... There's a heart here. And when the pressure comes on in our heart, what's in our heart comes out. And I knew when I became a pastor that the pressure of being in ministry would push on my heart, push on the essence of who I am, and, it, and, and that would come out. So, you know, for some of us, what comes out is really good. You know, <laughs> sometimes, who, who, who behaves perfectly here when they're under pressure? <laughs> yeah, okay. It looks like most of us are just like the rest of us. And so, so when pressure comes on, what's in our heart comes out. I, 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 this is super important to me. I, I'm an enthusiastic, you know, passionate guy. Let me tell you, when, what, when the pressure comes on in my heart, what comes out comes out passionately. And I, that's not always good, right? <laughs> and I'm just, I, Peter, I identify with most in the scripture. Passionate man of God, hears from God, You know, he's the one that tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's astounding what he said on that day because God doesn't speak to Israel. God hasn't spoken to Israel for 400 years and only John has brought the word of the Lord in 400 years and then somehow Peter seems to access something and, 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 and he's the one that says in Matthew, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We all know he didn't speak in King James English but that's how he was quoted. 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to Peter. That is the most radical statement out there because Peter, you know, like, how come God reveals it to Peter? Remember, Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet and the Spirit hasn't been poured out into our hearts. How is it that Peter gets the access? Because he's got such an open heart and he can just go with that and see what God is seeing and not even be aware of what, what he's doing when he's doing it. This is the same guy that when the pressure comes on denies that he knows Jesus. Same guy, same heart. Pressure comes on, he folds. I'm not telling you that you should not fold when the pressure comes on. I'm saying this guy did and we do. And so where is God when, our, when we fold, when the pressure comes on? <laughs> where is God when the pressure comes on in our heart and all this stuff comes out? There's a little list over here we put together last night that when the pressure comes on in our heart, you know, stuff comes out of it. Or, or when, yeah. Anger, frustration, fear. So all these things come when pressure comes on and where is God when that's going on? And, and so I want to share with you a story tonight, today, this morning. I don't, I don't even necessarily know what country I'm in sometimes. And, and welcome to the club. Oh, yeah, time and space. Yeah, you don't quite, yeah, I got that, by the way. And so, so where is God when pressure's coming on in our heart and we're behaving badly or but not even, yeah, badly or just we're anxious or we're scared or we're whatever we are when pressure comes on. And so I want to I wanna share a story with you of something that happened to me because in those moments that we hate, in those moments that we don't want to experience, we want to have a Christian life where we're not experiencing pressure. We're hoping that God will be so present all the time, we'll just remain peaceful no matter what happens, Right? We read De Siderata, you know, that just talks about amidst the noise and clamor, we just find God. And so that's, an, that's, an, uh, that's something we can pursue. And it sounds amazing. And then someone cuts us off in the traffic. Or oh, do you guys have traffic here? I don't know. <laughs> in the town I've been living in for 15 years, if you wait 90 seconds at, a, at, a, at an intersection, that is just travesty. I now live in a bigger town where we have traffic. So, you know, it's funny in traffic, your heart can come out, right? My wife, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this, so I'm going to. Um, <laughs> my wife is the calmest person in the world. She's married to me. Can you imagine what that's like? And, and she still loves me. And, and she is so calm under pressure. She's so amazing. She was a project manager with a telecommunications company. And she did this thing, I don't even know what they're called, PRAs or something. They're highly complex, and most of her colleagues handled one to three at a time of these projects. My wife did nine at a time, you know, like, she just, because she could just cut through all the noise, all the emotion, and go, okay, we've got to do this. She simplifies it right down, really amazing. Until you put her behind a wheel of a car. <laughs> Sorry, Car. Until you put her behind, just, I'm just interpreting, until you put her behind the wheel of a car and she turns into, <laughs> it's like, what? I told you I shouldn't have told you, but I just did. <laughs> and so when the pressure comes on, this stuff comes out of us, you know, and we don't know what to do with it. I want to I share with you a moment in my life where what came out of my heart, um, God met me there. Because I'm telling you this whole story, and it sounds really funny, but we like to laugh about it, but it's actually tragic when this stuff goes on in our lives. So, so yeah, I became a pastor in the beginning of oh, 2003. The first thing I did was went to Toronto and went to a, um, a conference called The Father Loves You, and I really received love there. And what was amazing, I remember someone praying for me. It was really amazing. Um, you know, I how old was I? I was younger than I am right now. Shucks, it was about 20 years ago. So, yeah, I was 13. And <laughs> why are you laughing? I'm really hurt by that. 
So anyway, the, anyway, I'm there. I'm getting prayed for, and this young guy comes up to me with these little, like, little sort of oblong-shaped glasses and curly long hair, and he comes up to pray for me, and I went into full pride mode. You know, like, what would you know? And he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he prays for me, and I went, oh, you know, like. And and it was like this. When I was a kid, I used to love having um, toast with golden syrup on it. And it just started, pour, whatever that was, started pouring out of my head. But I realized I was in Canada, so I was probably maple syrup. It was pouring out on me. And as it poured out on me, this love just came around me and loved me. And that, that's actually why I went to Toronto, because, let's keep it up here, right? Uh, that's why I went to Toronto, because I wanted more of that love take into being in ministry because I knew that I needed it and I wanted to minister out of what I'd received. In fact, we always minister out of what we receive. So that's a challenge, isn't it? And so anyway, I became a pastor and did what pastors do, which is work all the time, well, in my church. And um, after a while, we, we had quite a staff. We had a, a pastor from Taiwan, looked after the Chinese congregation. I worked very closely with a Korean guy, Jason, and his offsider, Jin Su. And our worship director was from the Philippines. And uh, then was me, uh, a New Zealander. And then an English guy ran our media. Our senior pastor was a New Zealander. And we had people from all around the world. It was a super cool church to be in. And then my senior pastor wanted to hire someone else, and the guy he hired, I'm going to call him Bob. Bob is not his name, so Bob, I'm sorry if you're here. I'm not talking about you, but I'm going to use that name. And he brought him into the church, and I loved this guy because he'd been my lecturer at Bible college. He'd lectured on leadership, and I loved, I really, really liked him. And at the, during that period when I was in Bible college, he wanted a youth pastor, and I, I really wanted to go and be his youth pastor, you know, but it, it didn't didn't go in that direction. And so he came, and I so enjoyed him being there. And he's a real man of faith, moved in the gifts of the Spirit. Reminds me of you a little bit. You know, he's an evangelist. He was a healer. He, he um, just cool to be around. We had so much fun together, and sometimes we'd minister to people together. And then my senior pastor at the time was a man who's incredibly secure in himself, not in a um, sort of arrogant way, just secure in who he was. And um, he, whenever he got attacked, he never reacted to it. So I was sitting next to him in a meeting one day. He's beside me, and there was these people here, and they were attacking him. And I was getting, like, a, a triggered. You know, I was getting annoyed for him, and he's sitting there real casual. And I walk out of the meeting. This is a meeting with my senior pastor, so you can understand the man that he was. I walk out of that meeting, and I say to him, how do you do that? He goes, how do I do what? I said, you were just getting attacked in there and you're not even acknowledging it. He goes, oh, Mark, you've got to take a long-term view with things like this. We're going to walk with these people for years. You know, you don't need this stuff worry. Don't sweat the small stuff. So that's the kind of guy he is, very secure. My, my friend, Bob, he's older than me, obviously. Man of God, just loved Jesus. And they got into it with each other. I don't know. I, know I, don't, I, cannot, I can't tell you. I mean, I won't tell you what happened because I don't know what happened, but they got into it with each other. And then Bob got sick and he couldn't work. And, you know, he was, he was so angry with my senior pastor and my senior pastor was so angry with him. And I'm like, who are you guys? You know, like, I, in conflict, one of the tests of maturity is that when two people are in conflict that you know, one of the tests of maturity is not succumbing to the pressure, either internally or externally, to take or make sides. It's a test of maturity. And I don't always pass that test, but at this time I'm like, I really love my senior pastor, I really love Bob, like, like I'm not taking sides here, but at least help me understand what's going on, will you? And there just didn't seem to be anything that you could say, it's this, it's that. And they were saying things about each other. They're not even the type of people that say things about each other, you know? And so I'm like confused. And then Bob got fired. Like my senior pastor fired him. You know, he 
And I got triggered. So what's triggered? Okay, I got triggered. What, what triggered is, is Bob got fired. That's what happened. So our heart, in our heart, when something happens, an event happens that this big, our, if the event, if, you, if our heart's this big, no, no, if the event is this big, our heart reacts this big. Has that ever happened to you? Something happens and then you just... <laughs> Overreact, that's a good word, overreact, anyone, anyone know overreact? Just, oh, just the, the people in the first front half of the church here know overreact. So, so my heart got triggered, now you can get triggered in a positive way, just so you know, you know your favourite food, what does that trigger in you? You know, Pavlova to me proves the evidence that God is good. It's the best dessert in the world, and I know it comes from the heart of God. So that triggers that in me, okay? But I got triggered, and what I got triggered into was um, was the um, our family <laughs> our family <laughs> trait of anxiety. I didn't know this until I got more healed. I still get anxious, by the way. I just can meet God in it. And so I, I, my Bob gets fired, and my, uh, my, my reaction is anxiety city. You know, like we're not exploring the suburb or the street of anxiety. We're going to explore the whole city all at once. We're going to feel all that anxiety, and so I'm super anxious. And it's Sunday afternoon, and I've got to preach that night. And I'm like, I, I don't fake it till I make it. You know, like I'm not that guy. Um, um, I'm gonna, I need to own this and I need some help to own it because it's too big for me. And I want you to know when we want to own stuff in our heart, we want to deal stuff in our heart, sometimes, more often than not, we need someone to help us. Jesus is real intention, intentional about this. When we do find people that help us, um, they've got to be the right person. And... Um, you know, in fact, he says some brutal things about this. He says, cast not your pearls before shrine. You shrine. <laughs> cast not your pearls before shrine. Okay, so we know how pearls are created. Pearls are in oysters, right? They're like a sand thing gets in there and it agitates the, the, the oyster and it creates a pearl. So these things that are formed in our heart through agitation, God does a work in us to create something beautiful out of things that agitate us. That's what he does. The natural speaks to the, 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 natural speaks to the spiritual, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 46. The natural comes first and informs the spiritual because the God who created the natural created the spiritual. And we can learn from things in nature that it can form our, inform our spiritual life. And so um, he says those things that God is forming in your heart when you go and, you know, don't cast them before people are going to, won't understand them and trample them in the mud. And they'll look at you and say, I really don't understand you. And my question is always, do you want to understand? And so thank God for God. I, 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 talked about a situation I had about 30 years ago where I, for the first time as a Christian, I reached out to someone for help and got the help that I needed. It was amazing. But I, I after that, I didn't think, I've had the help I need, I'm going to go on for Jesus with the rest of my life. I realized this process here that I can bring my heart to him and he will meet me in it if I can be honest with what's going on here. And let's be honest, we can't always be honest with what's going on in here because sometimes we don't understand what's going on here. We need someone to help us. And so this time, I'm back to the story, Mark. Yes, I can stay on track. I'm a pastor. It's the afternoon. I've got to preach that night. I'm feeling super anxious. I need some help. So I ring up Craig, my friend, and I go, Craig, can you help me? He goes, sure. And he comes down to my office. We'll rearrange to meet in my office. And he asked me some questions. So one of the things I do is I practice the presence of God i found that God is always present. What is absent is awareness of him being present, and so we can grow in our awareness. I call it God awareness. It's part of the thing in my membership is we've got a whole portion on God awareness, how to find how God is present to us. 
And so sometimes when we're triggered or it's just too hard or we're beaten down or we're just disconnected, we can't meet with him and we need someone to help us. And I believe true Christian care, I believe true Christian community is each of us helping uh, each of us to plug into him, to find him again and what he has for us. And I, I found a way to do that, and, 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 and I let people do that with me. So I ran Craig, and I told him, you know, he came down, and he's sitting in my office, and I tell him everything I told you. I probably told him more. And then he says, okay, Mark, so when all this is going on, because Bob's been fired, and I don't know why, and for some stupid reason, I think I might be next. So, you know, when you're in ministry, I won't, I'll let you in on a little secret. <laughs> Being in ministry doesn't work. It's, it's not great for your income. You know, like I went into ministry and my income went way down. And, and then we hear all these publicized people that have millions. You know, that's like 0.1%. Most people in ministry don't earn that much, really, that I know. And so I was worried about losing my job, and it wasn't for the money, because I could go back into sales or construction, and I'd probably earn two or three times what I was earning. Um, but the anxiety I now realize that was in my heart was that I would be out of favor with my key authority figure. There was something in my heart that I'd learned as a child, I've got to be okay with the key authority figure to feel okay about myself. I didn't know I was tracking with that, but this event... Because I couldn't understand why Bob had been fired, it triggered a fear in me that maybe I'm next. Now, when I look back on that, that was never going to happen because I was the guy in the church that got everything done. Like, my boss, we'd talk about something in the staff meeting, and I might get it done that morning. Whereas my, my, my senior pastor, as I shared last night, had taught me, things in ministry don't take twice as long as they should. They take 10 times longer. But I could get it done pretty much straight away. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't have got rid of me anyway. Well, not for that reason. And, but I was anxious and fearful. And so I bring this to my friend Craig. And he says, Mark, when you're anxious and fearful and, and, and Bob's been fired and you don't understand why and you don't know what's going on, where is God for you? And I shut my eyes. And like if you've been around me for long, I've got amazing stories of meeting God. But I want you to know, for the first 11 years of my life, I never really heard from him because my, that my heart was closed because I didn't know how to walk with him heart to heart. So he asked me, while I'm anxious, where is God for you right now? And I shut my eyes and I found myself on a green field and, um, and my hands are in the air. And in my left hand, I'm holding a trophy. Like... Um, you know, like a cup with ears on it. You know those ones? Yeah, yeah. yeah like the FA Cup's got them. I, should I tell him that story, Lord? Yeah, okay. I have a friend. I met him in London when I was working in London. <laughs> He's a Kiwi guy. And I go, hey, I'm Mark. And he goes, hey, I'm Trophy. I go, how come you're called Trophy? Because I got big ears and all my friends thought that was like a trophy. <laughs> so this is him telling me, okay, that his name's Trophy. So I'm holding a trophy up here. And I have, I'm standing there and I have won God's approval. And I'm standing on this green grass and in my hand, I'm like, what's this? I've won God's approval. Now, I want you to know how the Holy Spirit leads you sometimes. You want answers sometimes or often he leads you with questions. And I found myself going, where am I? Oh, what's this? Oh, it's, oh. It sounded like it was my question, but I'm being led with his questions. What am I holding? And I know the answer straight away. I've won his approval. Now, and then across my shoulder, I had this red sash. And I'm like, what's this? And it's the seal of God's approval. And then as, as this, I guess it was a vision unfolded, I realized I'm standing on a sports field, but the sports field's got no markings on it. So I've won God's approval. I've got the seal of approval. But I haven't done anything to win it or to receive it. And I'm standing there, and I'm feeling good. It feels so amazing. And then the Holy Spirit, I didn't know, again, I was just these questions. You know, like, 
where am I? And this green field, it turns out it's like a cricket oval. For those of you who know what cricket is, it's a game that people play in the British Empire, don't you know? And so around the edge of this oval is a white picket fence, and behind the white picket fence is a grandstand, and, and, and as the vision unfolds, there's 60,000 people. I don't know how to, I know there's 60,000. There's 60,000 people in the grandstand, and, and they're all clapping and cheering. And, and, and I get this question, and I realize the crowd is roaring. And I think, what is the crowd roaring? And I realize the crowd's roaring approval. And then I get another question, where am I? I want you to know, just to take a step out of the story for a moment, some of you have questions in your heart that God has given you, and he's given you the questions to lead you. And you're stuck with a question and you want an answer, but have you ever noticed how Jesus, when he's asked direct questions, comes back with a question, and he's often trying to expose the people's hearts to themselves. And, and, he's trying to, and he leads us with questions. So sometimes you'll have a question, and you think, you know, like, I really want the answer to this, and you go to Bruce, and Bruce will give you his answer. You go, no, that's not it. It's not. You go to Mark, what do you think of this? And she'll tell you something that sounds really wise and everything, and go, no, that's not it. You know, and you can't get an answer to it because you're meant to take that question to him and have him tell you. So his questions can lead us into intimacy. Back to the story. Oh, wait on. His questions can lead us into intimacy with him. And so the frustration that you're feeling sometimes is his journey of intimacy with you. And where am I? I get given this question, where am I? I then the answer comes, I am in the center of of attention. I've won his approval. I've got the seal of approval. The crowd's roaring approval. And I am in the center of attention. And I have gone from feeling anxious to feeling good. Like fantastic. And my friend Craig's there. You've forgotten about Craig, hadn't you? My friend Craig's there. He's just sitting over here. I'm here. And then he says, and Mark, when all of that's going on, where is God for you? And I have to tell you in that moment, I thought, who cares? You know, like, <laughs> like I know all this has come from God, but seriously, for a moment, I thought, who cares? You know, like, but God cares. Like, and he doesn't, and he's standing over here. Like, I am, I am maybe a, a fifth of the way into this oval standing, looking that way. There's so much detail I can tell you, but I don't even know how I know it. But God's standing, the Father is standing over here behind the picket fence waiting for me to realize that he's there with me and that he's created all of this. And so many things in our walk, no matter whether they're good or bad, God is with us, but we don't recognize that he's there, but he's waiting for us to realize he's there so that we can have fellowship with him in it, good or bad. Last night I told you a story of God visiting me in my shame and, and Jesus literally told me he was coming into my shame and he wasn't going to leave. He's just going to stay here. I wanted him to take it away. But I, I guess he thinks he's God or something. He got to do what he wanted. And so back to the story. Here we are. We're in the Oval. I've won God's approval of approval, I'm in the center of attention, the crowd's roaring approval, the father's over here and I'm all of a sudden I'm aware that he's here and he comes over to me and he takes my hand and he lifts, we lift our hands together and the crowd went ballistic but I want you to know as amazing as that experience was in that moment was so much better when I had the knowledge of the presence of God in it, together with him. I, I can't tell you, <laughs> I don't know what happened after that. Like I, I preached that night, I have no idea what I spoke on. And I didn't realize how significant this was. See what was going on there? That's an amazing story. Your eyes are telling me you're with me in this story because it is amazing because it is what God has done. But it started 
with me bringing my, my anger. It started with me being overwhelmed with anxiety and bringing that anxiety to him and asking a friend to help me find him. I could never imagine what have, would have happened next. And, and years later, several years later, I was in Singapore and I just shared on this and um, I started to realize, oh shucks, this is more than an experience for me. This is something that others can experience too. In John 6, 27, Jesus said, Labor not for the food that perishes, but the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man gives you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And I came to realize that many of us labor for a, a food that perishes. I got saved in 1981. I was 19 years old, I think. And... Um, I got saved, I started bringing people to Jesus, I was so in love with Jesus, and then people started telling me, it's really good you're bringing people to church, Mark, and I went, is it? Is it? I just thought this was normal. Like, you get saved, you tell people about Jesus, and they get saved, that's what you do, isn't it? But apparently it's not, I'm special, and I like that special feeling of being affirmed by someone who I could see. And then over the years, I got more bent out of shape, you know, more leaning into wanting that, the approval of the people I could see. It's entirely legitimate to want to need that approval. But I started needing that more than finding it in my heart with him. And, in, and, and so this is years later, when I'm desperate, I find him and he gave me that approval my heart was longing for, and I never knew I needed it until he gave it to me. I want you to know this about love. We don't know what our heart needs. We don't know the way in which we need it. You know that saying, always looking for love in the wrong places? It's because we don't know the love that our heart needs. But when his love comes, when the revelation of his love comes, it opens the eyes of our heart to see what we've been missing, to see what's been broken, to see what's been contorted and twisted in us because love comes and straightens that all out. That's what John was saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. His love comes and straightens the paths in our heart. Every valley shall be filled. All the emptiness in us will be filled. He's prophesying about this new covenant that's coming. And the mountains shall be brought low. That's the, all the prideful defense systems within our heart are going to be brought low so that the whole earth shall see the salvation of God. Because all the work he does is in our hearts. That's what sees the salvation of God. And so in this moment, I really need him. And he came to me where I needed him. And what was amazing, he brought something I'd never known that he could bring. He brought approval to my approval-seeking heart. And I want you to know, if you need approval in your heart, there, it's a legitimate need that you have. But many of us have sold our soul and sold our spiritual walk for the approval of others because we can see the approval of others or the disapproval of others by the look in their eyes. And it can shape us. And uh, I read a book. I mean, the title is an amazing title. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Church. I think his name is said Peter Schizero. Jesus said, I observed... No, he didn't. Peter said... I observed how Jesus was able to separate himself from the expectation of the crowds, his family, and his disciples. You can, you, can, you can recognize that there would have been expectations of the crowd, but I never considered that Jesus also had to navigate the expectations of his disciples and his family. You've ever had to navigate the expectations of your family? A few knowing laughs there. I'm not laughing, we don't want to go there, Mark. But Jesus had to navigate the expectations of his family. He had a big family, lots of brothers and sisters. And um, his relationship with his father freed him from the pressures of those around him. His relationship with his father freed him from the pressures of those around him. You see, Jesus himself was a man. He was the God-man. 
but he still had pressures around him and what freed his humanity from the pressures around him was his relationship with his father and he's called you into the relationship that he has with his father so that you can be freed as well. I could preach all day, but I know it's Thanksgiving, okay? So he was not afraid to live out his own unique life and mission regardless of other people's agenda for his life. Jesus was not afraid to live out his own unique life and mission regardless of other people's agenda for his life, which included his disciples. And one of them we know of was Judas who had an agenda, didn't he? But this is Jesus' team that he's picked. But he continued to live out his life. See, what I carry in my heart for every believer, in fact, I, in my heart, I carry this for every person on the earth. Might as well shoot high, right? <laughs> I believe we're all meant to live out our unique life before God, with God, on the earth. Whether or not anyone recognizes it, sees it, whether or not we become famous, rich, or popular, and, and, and probably we won't. Like, my wife is the most authentic version of herself in the world. I used to wonder what was wrong with her. You know, like, she didn't want to be popular. She didn't care what people think about her. She just wants to be herself. <sighs> so foreign to me. I used to wonder what was wrong with her, and then I realized what was wrong was me. That's not a word, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not projecting that onto any men in this room. Jesus said... So, I'm trying to cut this down because I need to. Saul was the king of Israel and um, he was pushed around by this, King Saul. In fact, there was a time when he lost his kingdom. I usually go into that. It's a long story, so we won't go into it today. But you know the, you know the scripture that says to obey is better than sacrifice? We know that most of us, by the way, have sacrificed rather than obeyed. If you walk with God, you usually go too far into things. Sorry, I can't speak to that right now. But you know that this from the same story to obey is, is, is better than sacrifice. And it's talking to Saul. And in that moment, he, um, he actually sacrificed instead of obeying. And, it, and, and, and the prophet Samuel is confronting him about it. And he denies it. This is 1 Samuel 15. And then he finally, like Samuel has to confront him two or three times. I mean, who does he think he's talking to? You know, this is the prophet of Israel and he's lying to him and he's in denial about what he's done. He's done the opposite of what he's been told to do and he's been caught out. And so he lies, you know, it wasn't me. And so... He's confronted, and finally he gives in and says, okay, I did it. I have sinned. I violated the Lord's commands and your instructions. Now, this is King Saul. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. That's where that term comes, head and shoulders above everyone else. It's in reference to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon him, and he's prophesied. He's been anointed by God to be the king of Israel. Wow. And this is what he said. I have sinned and violated the Lord's command and your instructions. This is the saddest sentence in the Bible to me because it's true of me. I was afraid of the people and so I gave in to them. King Saul, I was afraid of the people and so I gave in to them. And so um, in the New Testament, Paul did the same thing. Peter did the same thing in Galatians 2 and Paul called him out about it publicly um, in Antioch. And he writes about it in Galatians 2. And there's a situation where Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles. I can't go into it now, but if you want to look at it later, it starts at about Galatians 2.11. Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles in, in Antioch. And when these legalistic people came with James, the um, Judaizers were telling everyone, if you get saved, you have to keep the Jewish law. And so Jesus, um, Peter's hanging out with the non-Jews. You know, that's the Canadians and, and the New Zealanders and the Australians. He's hanging out with these non-Jews 
And then when these legalistic people come, Peter is insecure and, and draws back from hanging out with the Gentiles and he doesn't eat with them because if you're a Jew, you're not meant to eat with Gentiles. If you're Jewish, you're not meant to meet with Canadians or Australians. And poor Bruce, he gets hit two ways. So he draws back and um, Peter confronted him about it. And, and this is written in the Bible. <laughs> I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. How would you like that written about you in the Bible? Forever. And this is written about Peter. And he, he tells the story. And, um, and in verse 13, the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So this is Peter, the great apostle. That he's a, in my terminology, he's a big wave surfer. Because in Acts 10, he's been chosen by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time. We know that you know, he was sent to Cornelius' place. You know, he's in a house, he's asleep, and he has this dream about eating food that he shouldn't eat. And in that moment, someone knocks on his door, and he goes and preaches the gospel to a Roman house, the house of Cornelius. And while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those people, and the gospel had gone to the Gentiles. He chose someone who was a risk-taker, and he chose Peter. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? This is the passionate Peter. And, and so in a moment, in another moment, years later, he's withdrawing from those people that he's been sent to because there's something in his heart that needs these legalistic people's approval is more important to him than his relationship. And it's really sad, but it happened to him. And now it's in the Bible. We, I could talk to him about it one day. Hey, Peter, how do you feel about Galatians 2.11? <laughs> but you see, even Peter, the great apostle who preached an amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, he still has legitimate needs in his heart that are not being met. And they're not being met by ministry. They're not being met by any other thing. But he does need to take his weaknesses as we need to take our weaknesses to him. And when we do... He promises to meet us there. And that is the message of the gospel. To the non-Christian and to the Christian, as we are vulnerable with our weaknesses, he will meet us there. And on that day, as I brought my anxiety and fear about being out of favor with my authority figure, um, God met me and gave me his approval. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah.